we've got the Irishman in the house. Now, the, he is a professional introductioner, so I'm going to do my best. He may be bald, but it's because the fire of God has been on him for many days. He may have an accent, but it's because he's just praying in the Holy Spirit the whole time, and it's in English. He is the Irishman that can wear flowers and make him look manly. He is the one, the only. Will you stand with me and welcome Scott McNamara. Woo! I feel, I'm, I feel like I'm about to enter a boxing ring. With that intro right there, that was good, man. He's, he's learning something in these past four weeks. How do you introduce a speaker? That was impressive. And obviously, I think Aaron makes it sound cooler. He likes my accent, but I think his is way cooler than mine. I meet too, too many American people like, man, I love your accent. I'm like, I love yours. Like, we have an accent? I'm like, of course you do. Do you guys think you have an accent? Okay, well, you, when you meet someone who's not from America, they'll be loving your accent. I think. We love it anyway. Okay, let me set my stopwatch because let me tell you this. The Lord was moving things in that first service. There was some serious fire was falling. And I'm actually expecting for a bit more this mor uh, in the second service. I believe God's going to do something wonderful. Are we on board for what the Lord wants to do? Come on. <clears throat> okay, I want to begin by saying, like I did in the first service, I just want to thank you on behalf of my wife, Jay, and our kids. I want to thank you, the Promise Church, for the way you've opened your, your lives to us, your hearts to us. Thank you for everything that you've given financially, through gifts, through work, through prayers, you know, whatever you may have done. Um, I know uh, Rachel uh, rallied around a, a big team to kind of help move us in and just help us get settled. So just want to thank everybody for the part you may have played in that. I know we haven't got around to kind of introducing ourselves to all of you guys. So like I said at the first service, I'd appreciate it if you came over to us, introduce yourself. We are very approachable. And we would love to kind of chat with you and just thank you in person just for kind of welcoming us into this family. And we're so happy to be here. This church is our church, and we're very happy to say that. We're proud to be part of the Promise Church. I love this church. I think it's incredible. I fell in love with it the first day that my friend Christopher Donald brought me to this church. And I said, I'm going to come here one day. Little did I know that the Lord would, was, was having a plan to weave it so that he would bring us here. But hey, we're here and we're excited and the Lord is already moving in this community and I believe we're just tasting the beginning. So let's pray and then we'll dive in. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here. Thank you for what you did this morning in the first service. Lord, and we're not happy uh, just resting at that. We want more. And we know that your desire is for more. So I'm going to ask you, Lord, I'm going to ask you to do something that you haven't done before in this service. I'm going to ask you to touch people's hearts in a way that they've never been touched before. We ask you for more than we could ever hope, think, or imagine. Would you do what only you can do and let all the glory be to Jesus. Holy Spirit, we are in the, in the business and in the desire of exalting Jesus. That is our prayer. That is our heart. So would you come now, Holy Spirit, and would you help us to lift up the name of Jesus? We love you, Lord. And everybody said, amen. Okay. I'm going to talk this morning on a, on a message. Dum, 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 dum. There it is. 
I'm going to speak a message. It's a little heavy. It's a little deep. Maybe people don't talk about it very often, but I'm going to talk about it, and I kind of feel I've got permission because I am an evangelist. You know, I had a chat with Aaron a couple of weeks ago. We sat down, and, and he was like, look, you know, what would you like to do in terms of speaking, and, you know, what subjects would you like to cover? You know, how, you know, we want to kind of, you know, bring you in and embrace you and, and uh, you know, and have you involved in speaking? Would you like to kind of cover some, like maybe a week on finances or community and stuff? And, you know, he was just being so open and like like you guys have all been, just making us feel part of the team. And you know what? I kind of felt like for me, you know, we had this discussion of, you know, obviously it would add more, another string to my bow and it would enable me to, to cover ground I've never covered it before. And I've got to be honest, I just knew inside of me that I didn't want to talk about anything but the gospel. You know, I'd rather learn how to be a better communicator at sharing the gospel and the gospel message than I would because I feel like I would be doing you a disservice if I got up and spoke about finances because I know there's so much more, uh, more gifted men that could do or women that could do that rather than me. So I'm trying to stay in my lane and I'm trying to, you know, bring what the Lord has given me. And I believe that this message I'm going to give you this, uh, this morning is going to be just a simple gospel message. But for me, it is when the Holy Spirit shows up the most. When I stay in my lane and when I do what I've been called to do, which is to bring the gospel, which is to share uh, uh, heaven and hell, which is to share about the, the cross, when I kind of do that, I feel that the kingdom breaks out. So, you know, and this morning for me was an encouragement that, that that's the right decision. So I'm going to do that. So this morning, you know, if, if you just kind of open, be open with me, be open with the Lord. You know, I'm, everything I'm going to say is because I love you and I believe that God has more for us. Is that okay? Okay, so heaven and hell, but we're going we're gonna to focus on hell. Now, in America, you guys have a saying, which is kind of crossed over the pond, but you guys say it well, be, way better because you're American accent. Uh, and obviously, we don't say it as Christians in church, but we're going to break the rule this morning. And hell yeah! Jeffrey says it the best because he's got that kind of, he's got that, that homeboy accent going on. Hell yeah, dang! Okay, he doesn't really say it, but if he were to say it, that's how he would say it. But when we say it with my accent, it just doesn't sound good. Hell yeah. That's got no flow. You know what I'm talking about? It's got no flow, don't you know? Hell yeah or hell no. Now, there are two different groups in, in uh, Christianity. In Christendom, we have two different pockets of believers. We have the hell yes. We have those that, yes, hell is a literal place that you go when you die of torment. God send you, you know, you know, you're going there if you don't accept Christ. The hell yes. Then you got the hell no's. Then you got the believers who were like, well, you know, God would not send people to hell because he's benevolent and he's loving and he's kind. And that is not in his character. You've got two different groups of people, two pockets of people. And whichever one you fall into today, I don't know. But I believe by the end of it, that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal the truth to you. Okay. So this is what we have. We have two different groups of people. I'm going to, first I'm going to touch on the hell no's, okay? These guys. These are some of the famous hell knows. We have a guy called Rob Bell who wrote a book called Love Wins. And in this book, it was very controversial because, again, he was leaning on all those kind of things I touched on, that God would not send people to hell. God's a loving God. That is not loving, that kind of thing. Okay? So he's a famous guy. Uh, so a lady called uh, Julie Forwerda, she wrote a book called Raising Hell, which, again, stirred the pot a little more for believers to say, well, actually... She made some good points. Maybe I'm going to leave this side. I might come on over this side. So it's been one of these kind of controversial subjects. It's been in Christendom for many years. But I believe in the past while, it's been a subject that, that it's been getting hotter. Excuse the pun. It's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been heating up a little. 
People have been discussing it more. People are kind of changing what maybe what they thought they believed because they think, well, that's a bit old-fashioned. You know, maybe believing in that God would send people to hell. Maybe I'm just kind of stuck in some old-fashioned dogma or some old-fashioned theology. And you've got all these new thinkers come along. New thinkers. Now, thank the Lord, I'm not a new thinker. And I'm cool with that. I'm not a guy who's looking under every stone for a different kind of interpretation or a different revelation. Man, I'm a simple guy. I believe in the gospel. I believe the words I read in the Bible to be true. I believe Jesus said what he said because it was true. So I'm not looking for some different twist. I'm not looking to bring a a modern day version on the scriptures because I believe the scriptures are for all time. And we have a few people who say these things that they don't believe in a literal hell. It's getting quite shocking. Apparently, you know, I can't say this is, this is definitive, but it was quoted that the Pope recently had an interview last year. And apparently he quoted the Vatican are denying it, but the guy who interviewed them, he's, he's a very established um, journalist, said that this was the, the comments the Pope made. When he was asked if... Uh, if sinners go to hell. He said, they are not punished. Those who repent obtain God's forgiveness and take their place among the ranks of those who contemplate him. But those who do not repent and cannot be forgiven disappear. A hell doesn't exist. The disappearance of sinning souls exists. Now, Jesus never taught that, I don't believe. Then we have the hell, yes. Billy Graham, this is what he said. Hell is a place of sorrow and unrest, a place of wailing and a furnace of fire, and it is where many will spend eternity. If you accept any part of the Bible, you are forced to accept the reality of hell, the place for punishment for those who reject Christ. C.S. Lewis, he said, I willingly believe that the damned are, in one sense, successful rebels to the end, that the doors of hell are locked on the inside. Charles Spurgeon the great evangelist said, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go there unwarned or unprayed for. I believe the devil has done a number on society. I believe he's tried to convince us that hell isn't real. I mean, you know, you know the saying, the greatest trick the, the devil ever pulled, convincing people he doesn't even exist. So if he can get rid of hell too, he's going to do it. And what's happened is, it's kind of, he's taken the, he's taken the, uh, the you know, the authentic belief in hell that is at a literal, that's a literal place, and almost kind of diluted it and, and turned it into something where we think, no, you know, that isn't a real place. It's kind of like a fairy tale for the dark and the macabre. It's just something that you know people kind of uh, talk about, like, like just like flippantly, like a whim. We just use it as like a swear word, or we use it just like a, uh, you know, a joke. Or it's just it holds no weight anymore. Go to hell. Well, I'll be damned. Whatever phrase we may use to do with hell, it's lost its power in society. We have songs, many songs written about hell. ACDC wrote too. Hell ain't a bad place to be. Highway to hell. Kid Ink had a song called Hell and Back. ZZ Top, beer drinkers and hell raisers. Motorhead, born to raise hell. Whiskey bent and hell bound. Oasis, cigarettes and hell. They said, I don't mind not being immortal because it, it ain't all that as far as I can tell. I don't mind not going to heaven as long as they've got cigarettes in hell. Isn't that sad? 
Isn't it sad that the devil has blinded the minds of those that don't believe? Except it's gone further than that. He's blinded the minds of those that do believe. He's blinded them to see that no, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. God is too loving. He's too kind. Let me tell you how kind he is. He's so kind that he gave his only son to die on a cross. That whoever believes in him will have eternal life and not perish. That is how kind he is. You see, because we're on a road, and the road, like the song, it is the highway to hell. And we're all born on the highway to hell, and we're all going there because every single one of you in this room has sinned. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Everybody sinned. Nobody is perfect. If you are, you're lying to yourself. Now, you may say, hey, I'm not as dirty as the guy sitting next to me. Well, I'm afraid that all sin is sin, and, and all sin, what it does, it, it blocks you from being close to a God that is holy. And the Lord didn't want you on this wrong road because you're going all the way to hell. And people don't want to tell you that anymore. Man, I'm not going to say that because, you know, I want to fill my church. Thank God we don't have a church like that, but there's many. I, don't, I want to fill my church. I want to get bums on seats because that's success. That is not success. Let me tell you what success is. Success is making disciples. And how can we make disciples if we don't teach them what it says in the Scriptures? And what the Scriptures say is that you're going one way, and that way will take you to a place you don't want to go. Not just separation from God, not just this silent place where you just sit there. No, a place of torment. And if you don't turn, you're going to go there. You see, because wide is the road that leads to destruction. But narrow is the path that leads to life, and only few find that path. There is a difference. You're going one way. You follow the status quo. You follow the current. You're going where everybody else goes, and it's easy, and it's effortless. There is a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death, the Bible tells us. Let me tell you what Jesus said about it, because that's what matters the most. Jesus talked more about hell, more about hell than he did heaven. Why? Because I believe he wanted to warn us. He described it more vividly than he did heaven. No Bible spokesman places more stress on how as the final consequence of God's judgment and condemnation than Jesus. He refers to it as a place of eternal torment in Luke chapter 6, 23, where the worm does not die in Mark 9, 48, where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret in Matthew 13, 42, where there is no return even to warn loved ones in Luke 16, 19. Unquenchable fire in Mark 9:43. He likened hell to fire more than 20 times. He compared it to, to Gehenna in Matthew 10:28. What was Gehenna? It was a place in Jerusalem. It was a refuge dump. It was a place that they would put dead bodies and refuge and garbage, and it would be constantly smoldering in fire. Jesus referred to hell as that place. And then in 1 Peter 3, 18, Jesus compared hell to a prison and to outer darkness. Still, you may say, hey, well, you know, I'm sure I could find some other scriptures that lean towards it not being literal. I'm going to tell you from my own experience how I know God revealed to me. I'm going to tell you this, that when I had a revelation of a literal hell, it changed me as a follower of Christ. Do you know why? Because I saw the gospel 
and I held the gospel in the light that it deserves to be held. I, I, I held it with such a reverence and a venerance because I realized that what this cost, to have this gospel we have, what it cost our Savior to give it to us. That if there was any other way that we could have this gospel and we could be in the family of God and we could leave this way and go that way, if there was any other way that it could happen without His one and only Son hanging on a cross, being tortured and spat at and ripped apart, if there was any other way, then He would have taken that way. But there was no other way for man to be made right with God than for the sacrifice of His only Son. If there was any other way, we could have took it. He would have taken it. Why wouldn't he not? Why would he sacrifice his son if he didn't have to? So being a good person or a prey or a go to church, that's not going to turn you. That's not repentance. I had a dream. I had two dreams that changed my life. I'm going to share those dreams with you. This was the first one. I saw, I was looking up and I saw a man uh, walking across a cliff edge. Now, I wasn't looking under the stones. I wasn't trying to find out is how real, is it not? I wasn't you know, even asking God. I was a new believer. But let me tell you, the Lord wanted to cement something inside of me from the beginning because he knew that this was going to affect the way that I live. So I had this dream and I saw this cliff edge just kind of like this. And it was a man, he was walking along, just doing his thing, minding his own business, just living his life. And I'm watching and I'm looking and I'm looking up at it, and I can't do anything about it, but I had this feeling of impending doom. And the man, he's just walking across, and I'm just feeling something bad's going to happen. And he's walking, and he's walking, and suddenly, whoa, he's gone. Gone forever. Gone, dead, hell, non-existent, you know, the whole thing just, just it disappeared. And I knew this feeling of that man has just gone to hell, this overwhelming feeling. And imagine watching somebody die, and you can't do a thing about it. It broke my heart. And then another, another one, and then another one, and another one. It's real. And the Lord showed me it was real in my dream. And I knew that wasn't just a dream, but it was the power of God saying, Scott, you need to believe what I've written in my word. You need to believe that what I say I mean. I don't put it in there if I don't mean it. And people are perishing every single day. And we've got people who want to write books about how they feel that actually it's not really uh, acceptable for today's society to believe that people still go the way that they're going. That people still go to a place called hell if they don't turn around from the wide road and change and go on the narrow road. People write books about it. But what bothers me is this. Have those people who wrote the books, have they ever stared hell in the face? Or do they just sit there in their nice studies, drinking their nice coffee, writing these books? Have they lived it? Have they been in the war? Have they been in the middle of the war? Have they tried to rescue broken souls? Have they tried to fight for the lost and seen the devil's face inside in their face? Have they done that? Then come back to me and I'll read your book. But I'm reading the, I'm reading the book from some middle upper class uh, uh, thinker erudite who wants to sit there, write books without experiencing it. For me, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone to experience it and say, okay, I lived it. And what I'm telling you right now, I'm not telling you, and I have no desire to sit there and write books. I'd rather spend my time rescuing the lost. But what I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you from experience. And I saw that dream and I knew it was real. And then the Lord showed me another one. He said, okay, now 
I'm going to show you this. I had a dream. It was a prison corridor. I seen a prison wing, and men sat in prison cells back to back with their heads in their hands in utter despair. I could see them sat there, their heads in their hands, and they're rocking, and they're just hopeless in a prison cell. And it's dark, and it's scary, and the Lord says, go and take them by the hand and bring them out. So I go in, and I walk to the first person, and I just go up to the guy, and I just take him by the hand, and I just bring him out. And I, and I put him over here, and he stands here. Then the Lord says, now the next one. And these cells are all adjacent to each other. And I do this for a few people. I bring them out. And it feels good. And the Lord says, keep going. So I carry on. I keep going. And then I'm faced with what I can only describe as a wall of black demonic darkness. It is so strong that it paralyzes me. I don't know if you've ever woke up with a night terror or if you've ever sensed a demonic. But it is paralyzing sometimes. It is so strong. And in my dream, I am faced against this wall, and I can't move any closer. I'm physically paralyzed. But my heart's breaking because I, could, I just knew in, in my mind, in my spirit, I knew there were so many people still in those prison cells that needed to be set free. And it was breaking my heart. And I said, God, I can't go any further. I can't move. And the Lord spoke. He said, somebody has to go. It doesn't matter that it's scary. I'm going to be with you, son. It doesn't matter that you're, you suffer with post-traumatic stress disorder. It doesn't matter some days you can't even get out of your bed, that you're on this kind of medication, that you're in and out of the hospital getting tests done, that you can't function, that you're depressed, that you've got anxiety, you feel like you're in a prison in your own body. It doesn't matter because I'm with you. And if you go, even in that state, I'm going to go with you. So I woke up with these words ringing in my ear. Somebody has to go. Somebody has to go. And I prayed. I said, Lord, I'm broken. I've got nothing. But I love you. So from this day forward, I'll be a somebody that will go for you. That was it. And that was how it began for me. I've never led anyone to the Lord before that. I've never seen this. I've never seen that. It began with a broken man sitting on his bed saying, I'm going to be a somebody that will go. I'll give you that. And I began to go. Now, as you know, when you pray, you better be careful because the Lord's going to hold you to that prayer. So soon enough, the Lord began to give me uh, my marching orders. I was like, okay, you said it. Now go and get him. I want you to go and reach here, reach there. Now, what I found is that this is real. Okay, so I'm going to read you the rich man of Lazarus from Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Do we People say this is a parable. You can't believe Je Jesus wasn't talking about how. He wasn't, this isn't literal, this is a parable. I've heard it said by a man I admire and respect, said that Jesus didn't use names when he told parables, but he used a name here. I believe Jesus was given a snapshot into eternity. And for me, I believe it. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps that fell from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside 
Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in in water and cool my tongue because I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said, Son, remember, during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus nothing. And now he is here being comforted in your own anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send, my, send him to my father's home for our five brothers. And I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. When I saw my vision and when I saw those people walking off the end of that bridge, And I read this. I knew the Lord would speak into me. I want to tell you something. The poor man didn't go to heaven because he was poor. And the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. I'm going to tell you why they went where they went. In verse 30, we read, Send someone from the dead and they will repent and turn. You see, he knew exactly what he needed to do in order for his brothers to not be in the place that he's in. Somebody needed to go, pat them on the back, and say, pray every morning when you get up and when you go to bed, and go to church every Sunday, and you'll be sweet. That is not what what, what he said, and that is not what he knew. This is a man who is burning in torment, one drop of water to cool my tongue, and and to to get me out of this anguish. He didn't want a Ferrari, a supermodel, a hundred virgins. Let me tell you what he wanted. He wanted a drop of water because he was burning and he was in torment. What did he say? If somebody goes back to my, my family, my brothers, and tells them to repent and to turn, then they will not come here. You see, there is one reason why the rich man was in hell, because he didn't repent and he didn't turn. And there is one reason why you will stand before God and he will say, son, daughter, I loved you so much that I gave my only son to pay for your sin, but you wouldn't turn. I gave everything that I had in Jesus, everything that I loved in my son, but it wasn't enough because you you just tried to do your good deeds. You prayed, you, you know, now and again, you gave to charity, you went to church sometimes, but it wasn't enough because you didn't turn. You see, to repent means to change direction, change your mind. There needs to be a turning. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. You have to turn. If you don't turn, you can't go. And I began to look into this more, and, and it said about the chasm separating the rich and the poor man. And I'm like, what's a, you know, what is a chasm? I know it's a separation, but uh, what is, you know, is it more? I looked it up in the dictionary. You know what it said? It said it's a sudden interruption of continuity. Let me tell you what I saw. When I saw these men walking along the bridge, they didn't know the cliff. They didn't know what was going to happen. 
They're walking along. They're living their life. I could see their face. I could see their clothes. They weren't, they weren't lemmings. They weren't characters. They were real men and women. And suddenly, there was a sudden interruption of the continuity in their life. They didn't expect it. They didn't have a warning. They were just walking, living their life. Next thing, bang, gone, forever, gone, no coming back, no second chance, no return, done. And there was no warning, and there was no, uh, there was no heads up, there was no phone call, it just happened. You see, all of us are going to have a finally. Every single one of us, we're going to have a finally. Finally, the rich man died. Finally, the poor man died. We will all have a finally. I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to happen. And if you die in the separation with the chasm, there will not be a chance to get across, which is why Jesus became the bridge to life. Because he knew that there was only one way you could get across that chasm, through the cross. That's the only way. And he gave that cross to you as a gift. So how can we say God doesn't love us? How can we say God doesn't care enough? God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Let me tell you this. He gave everything for you so that you wouldn't go to that place. That's how much he loves me. That's how much he loves you. So please don't let religion keep you from paradise, from a place of relationship in this life and in the life to come. Religion that says, man, if I just give God 50% or 60%, you know, I'll be okay. Because that's a lie. From the pit of hell, you will not be okay. If you don't give 100%, you can't cut yourself in half and go half that way and half that way. It doesn't work. I tried it. I was 15 years of age. The power of God brought me to my knees. I was at a conference. I was only there to pull girls. I was there with my brother. We were like, there's a few hot girls. Let's go and get them. Sat there, wasn't interested in the Lord. And the power of God hit me and put me on my knees put me on my knees and I was crying with the power of God running through my body and I never felt love like it. And a man came over to me and he said, that's God showing himself to you. I said, what did you just say, man? He said, that's God showing himself to you. I said, last night, the, the night before, I had a big argument with my mom and a friend. I'm like, if God's so real, why doesn't he just show himself to you? The next thing, I'm on my knees and he's showing himself to me. The preacher said, okay, well, he's showing himself to you. Do you want to accept Jesus? And I went quiet because I'm thinking, man, I want to be a pop star. I don't want to be a Christian. I want to be a pop star. I didn't tell him that, but that's what I was thinking. God sees the heart. He said, do you want Jesus? And I'm like, well, yeah, I do. But, you know, I don't. And I do. And I'm in this place of this tussle and this wrestle. So he said, do you want to pray to accept Jesus? And I said, well, well yeah. So I prayed. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Let me tell you what I did that night. I gave 50%. 50% of my life. I said, Lord, you can take the whole 50. Not 45. I'm going to give you 50. I thought I was doing a good thing. I'm going I'm to go to church sometimes. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to be nice to, to people. I'm going to give you 50%. And then something happened. Let me tell you what happened. You can't serve two masters. That's what happened. You can't cut yourself in half. You go that way or you go that way. And I began, to, to for, for the first three weeks, I began to try and go, go God's way. But there was this pull against me that wouldn't let go of me. And it kept pulling me back and back to the road that I was still committed to. 
And then I got involved in addiction. I became a heavy cocaine addict. And there was one evening that a friend of mine who was a gangster from Liverpool where I was living, he gave me $800 worth of pure cocaine unmixed. He said, Scott, here's a present, as if it was some kind of gift. He said, here you go. Two o'clock in the morning, I woke my housemate up, Stephen. I said, come on, it's party time. And we began to rip, rip through the drugs. An hour into it, Stephen foamed at the mouth, fitted and died before my eyes. It wasn't so sexy anymore, this lifestyle that I've decided to pursue. And I saw the reality of it. And as the ambulance is driving away, I stand on a street and I begin to convulse and I can't breathe and I know that I'm about to go the same way that he's just gone. And what happened? Well, I give him 50%, so, so the angel surely they must be coming to, to, to bring me and to welcome me. No, I'm going to tell you what happened. I've never felt fear like it. I saw the gates of hell, and I'm moving like I'm on a treadmill. I'm moving towards these gates, and it was dark, and it was scary, and I'd never known fear like it. But, but I'd given 50%. I'd never hurt anybody. I'd never killed anybody. I, I was only hurting myself. I loved God, but I was on my way to hell. But hang on, whoa, whoa, hang on. You know, Rob Bell says it's, it's not real. Hang on, God wouldn't send somebody to hell. He's too benevolent. He's too loving. Well, I stared at it in the face. And I said, God, please keep me alive and I'll turn to you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm scared right now. I know that I've maybe got a few more breaths in me and then I'm gone. Please keep me alive. Keep Stephen, to li Stephen alive and I will turn to you. I just had to bargain with whatever I had left. Please, God, whatever it takes, please just save me. I wrote a poem about that night. It's called The Precipice of Eternity. And I would like to read it to you. When I think back on the night, the night that changed my life. Out playing hide and seek with the grim reaper while everyone else partied inside. High on a roller coaster ride, blind to the sublime and deaf to the call. Slow dancing with the devil down in the dungeon ball. But I couldn't stand it. Guess I was made to fall. Now here I am waiting on my very own curtain call. My final bow, wow, ciao, goodbye to the world. With a one-way ticket to the depths of Sheol. But they've all been waiting to get their hands on this troubled soul. I did an RSVP. I guess they made room for me. Kind of strange, really. But it all seems so clear to me. I have so much clarity. I can see now how it's meant to be. The stark reality. Not like the movies or how the TV portrayed it to be. But all along, it's where this road's been leading me. Now here I am, all alone on this dead-end street. Well, except for Tyson the Pitbull who sat right here at my feet. It's like he knew something was wrong. He came over whining and whimpering like he knew what was about to come. Maybe he could sense the imminent cardiac arrest. Maybe he heard the clockmaker calling, last orders, McNamara, your time's been spent. Whatever it was, me and Tyson felt the fear. My heart was thumping like McGregor. It was wild and refused to surrender. My breath was exasperated. My blood was intoxicated. I felt naked with nothing and no one left to lean on. My mind was racing like Schumacher, thinking of all I'd left to achieve still. 
Then my friend hit the ground with a mighty sound. He was convulsing uncontrollably and foaming at the mouth. Please keep me alive, I said, and I'll turn to you. And my friend Stephen, who just died before my eyes, he's being resuscitated right now on the ambulance ride. Keep him alive too. That's when I saw the trap door, a portal to another world, as a thousand, hundred thousand volts of fear shot straight through my mortal soul. No pearly gates or choirs of angels heralding my arrival, just the rattle of my ice-cold conscience thawing to the soundtrack of an amplified alarm bell. God doesn't send me or you to hell. We do that bit ourselves. You've got to leave the train you're riding on and turn yourself around. It was no one's fault, only my own one. You see the train I chose to ride on, this was its destination. It's no good just thinking about the journey without thinking about the destination. So get up now, off your seat. The tickets are free but in no way cheap. You can't buy it or earn it and none of us deserve it. But he gave it away because he thought that you were worth it. Life is but a breath and when you breathe your last on the other side, there's death and you ain't ever coming back. I'm not talking from some book I've, written, I've read or written. I'm talking from experience. And I'm going to tell you this. If you're sitting here and you've given God 50 or 60 or 70 or 90%, it is not enough. Because 50% of me, if given 50% of me was enough to take 100% of me to hell. If you give anything but it all, it is not enough. I'm going to ask the Lord right now that he would touch your heart and that he would bring a reality to your mind and your heart. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence and I thank you that it is you who convicts the world of sin as we read in John chapter 16 verse 5. We don't have to sit people down and tell them what a filthy sinner we are. All we do is partner with you and you reveal it to us. So I ask you right now for anyone in this room, if they're sitting here and they know that they, they don't really know you, if you're going to close your eyes on earth tonight, if you're going to fall off the cliff, if you're going to enter that chasm, if you're going to close your eyes on this earth, can you say when you open them, that all will be well with your soul. I know I can. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Because of the cross, I can. And if you're here this morning, I implore you and I plead with you as an ambassador of Christ, as a man that has made it my mission and laid down my life to see people make it, to see people turn from this way and go that way. I will do anything. I will give my life for the one because I know that Jesus died for that one. So I'm asking you right now, if you're here, you may be gone off the tracks. You may be never come at all. But it's time and he's calling you. He's saying, give me everything. I want it all. Give me 100% and I'll give you all of me. And we can begin to live together. Not just eternity, but right now on this earth, we can have a relationship together. It can be real and it can be alive and it can be worth something. If you want Jesus... You reach up your hand right now. Say, here I am. If you know you haven't given it all, here's your chance. God bless you. Anybody else? This is not something to be ashamed of. This is not something where we say, no, my, you know, there's too many people looking at me in the room. I, I might see them in work tomorrow. Let me tell you this. Jesus hung naked on a cross for you. Let's have a, let's have a wake up time. Jesus hung naked. He was ripped apart on a cross as they laughed and they spat at him. 
And he did it. Why? Because of you. If you were the only man or woman on the planet, he would have done it for you still because that's how much he loves you. Don't be ashamed of your Savior and don't listen to the lies of the devil anymore. Raise your hand and say, Jesus, here I am. High to heaven. High to heaven. Here I am, Lord. Thank you for what you did for me. This may seem like a free gift, and it is, but it did not cost, it cost him everything. It was not free for him. It cost him everything. Raise it high to heaven. I'm going to give you five more seconds. If you want him, you raise it. Five, four, three, two, one. Raise your hand. If you raise your hand, stand to your feet. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Move in this place. I ask you for more. I ask you for more people who are on the fence, for more people who are playing at religion, for more people who are just praying and going to church. But deep down, they have not committed and surrendered their soul to you. I ask you now, awaken them. We break every lie of the enemy, every proud argument in their mind. We snap it and silence it right now. The devil has no stronghold and no place on, on the people of God in this place right now. In Jesus' name, if you want him, it's still time. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. This is an opportunity for you to respond. This is maybe a one in a, once in a lifetime opportunity because we don't know when it's going to end, okay? If that's you, if that's you, come to the front. We're going to pray for you. Let me tell you this. If you can't come to the front, if you can't make a stand in a church full of people that love you, you'll never make a stand out there. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Everybody loves you here. Everybody loves you. We're on your side. We're on your side. We love you. We're on your side. Holy Spirit, rest on them. Rest on them in Jesus' name. Rest on them. You just receive. I, I encourage you just to put out your hands, and the Lord's going to fill you. He's going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Just lay, uh, rest out your hands as if to receive a gift. Holy Spirit, I ask you, increase it, Lord. Increase your presence. I ask you for more. I ask you for the fire of heaven to fall. I ask you for the fire to fall in the upper room. I ask you for it right now, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you for more of your power. Lord, I ask you, you do something in this moment with these people that they would change this city for you. Every chain be broken right now in Jesus' name. Every bit of depression, anxiety, we break it off right now in the name of Jesus. He's at your door right now. The handle's on the inside, and he says, I want you, and you want me. But I'm a gentleman, and I want to be invited. I wouldn't come into your home unless you invite me. He won't come into yours unless you invite him. You just receive it. Some of you guys are feeling emotional. That's okay. You've been lied to for a long time. And now the truth is setting you free. You, you receive it. Relax. Let it. Embrace it. It's called love, and it's pure. Jesus' name. Okay, I want you to pray with me. You just stay in the place you're at, but I want you to say these words out loud, and you're giving Jesus controls. Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. I say sorry for all of my sin. I choose to follow you. I make you the Lord of my life. I want to live for you all of my days. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Make me overflow 
I love you, Lord. I thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Just receive his love. Just let it wash over you. Let it wash over you. If you need to forgive somebody, then you forgive them. If, you need to, if you've got something you're holding on to, you let it go. This is a moment now where you're coming for mercy at the altar. You're coming to God's, uh, before God's presence for his mercy, and he's offering it to you. But you've got to let go of everything that you're holding on to, and he's going to make you brand new right now. He's going to make you brand new in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, continue, Lord. Move, move like a wind through this place. Let your presence move. Breathe in this place. Awaken the destiny of these uh, men and women, Lord. Awaken their destiny. Thank you, Jesus, that you're raising them up, not to just be in relationship, but to be rescuers of the lost. Thank you for this church. Thank you that out of this church, you're going to birth some rescuers that are going to change this nation. We prophesy it in the name of Jesus. Out of this church, there will be rescuers that will go on to rescue this nation. And let it begin here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, you, Jesus. We love you. We exalt you. We thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for taking our sins. Thank you for making us new. Cement it, Lord, right now. Go deep in the hearts of these men and women. Go deep. Go deep in, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We praise you. We praise you. If you feel something bubbling up inside of you, just let it out. If you've got a prayer that's that's wanting to come out, you just let it out. You relax. You're before God right now in a holy moment. You just let it out. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for what you gave for us, Lord. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. We love you. We exalt you. We adore you. You alone are worthy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord.